Hello, here's the Education Newscast with another episode. It's number 222, 222 <laughs> in November 2022. And my name is Christoph Hafner and I'm happy to host one more episode in our English channel today. Of course, together with Thomas Jenewein. Hi, Thomas. Hi, everyone. Hi, Christoph. And we, of course have a guest today, uh, a guy well known in the universe of learning and performance support. I only have to mention the five moments of need and I'm sure many of you guys know who is with us today. It's the chief learning evangelist and co-founder of Apply Synergies. Welcome Bob Mosher. Great to have you in our podcast. Oh my gosh, it's an honor to be here. I appreciate the invitation. So much looking forward to the dialogue, friends. Cool. Yeah, thank you for being here again. And Bob, could you please introduce yourself for those who do not know you yet? What's been your journey so far? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm, 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 I'm proud to say that uh, September 6th of this year, I celebrated my 40th anniversary in learning and development. I've been in this industry for 40 years. Do you believe that? Oh, cool. I, was, I always joke that I started when I was 12. That's not the case, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but uh, so I started out as what we call in the States a public school teacher. I was teaching eight-year-olds. Uh, my pedigree was in education, and I got my master's in computer education and adult learning. Um, and so for the last, no, last my gosh, uh, 35, I've been in the adult arena Uh, started out in, in a lot of the e-learning early days of that in a wonderful startup here in the States that grew into a very, very large provider. And I had did a stint at Microsoft for a while as the senior director there of learning and strategy evangelism for them, and then uh, ran headlong into what we're talking about today. Because even after all that wonderful time and, and working for remarkable teams and, of course, I mean, just remarkable companies, I kept hitting headlong into this this issue of You know, and then what? <laughs> why? Why are all my best paid training efforts not getting us, you know, to performance? And so, spent the last ten years in my company immersed in this workflow learning thing, and anxious to talk about it today. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, interesting that you were a teacher at a primary school. I also started actually my career not in school, but as a museum educator oh. with um, pupils as well, coming from school to learn about archaeology and things like that. Yeah. And um, I think this helps a lot to have this very basic experience of teaching there. And uh, this opens really your mind for the broader thing of learning. Mm -hmm. that's, that's It's really interesting. Yeah, so today um, we want to talk about learning, of course, but uh, especially learning in the workflow or in the flow of work, mm -hmm. um, which is already kind of, of buzzword, isn't it? Um, everybody has heard it, at least in the learning and development area. And we would like to discuss where we are standing today with that and maybe pick some tips and tricks uh, for the learning and development practitioners. Mm -hmm. So as already mentioned, and you name it, um, you are well known for the five moments of need framework. But for those who did not um, know it or just heard of it, but don't have a clear picture what it means, um, mm -hmm. could you briefly introduce this again in a nutshell, what it's all about? Happy to, yeah. And, and it's interesting, you know, I like most of my professional career, I've stumbled into things more than more than done them intentionally. And uh, I was at Microsoft at the time. I, I had just helped launch our blended learning program, and it was not faring well. It was just not getting the lift, although although it was a remarkable program. And, and so 
I brought a dear friend, Dr. Conrad Gafferson in, who's now my business partner at Apply, and said, you know, what's wrong? I mean, what am I, what, what, what am I missing? And he, and he said some remarkable things, friends. He said, look, this, he said, here's the thing. This is a great content pivot or modality pivot. You know, you've taken lengthy classes and made them shorter and added e-learning and all these kinds of things. You blended that. But the reason why it doesn't seem to be resonating with those you serve is because you didn't pivot on their needs. And I was like, what do you mean? What, what does that mean? And, he's, and he introduced me to the five moments of need. And it was incredibly eye-opening to me because it gave me a different context with which to look at what I did. And so the five moments, friends, are um, moments one and two. And, and, and we, we, we're careful with numbering them because that sometimes implies priority or, or, or sequence. But mm. you know, in moments one and two are the ones we're all too familiar with in learning. And that's when someone knows nothing. They're new to a topic, right? And more is the second need where I have base knowledge and I want to add to that new stuff. But I can, I can come at it very differently because I have a fundamental understanding of, of the content to start, right? New and more. L&D has run at this for years. I spent the first 20 years of my career designing for it. And so the reason my blended didn't work was because Khan said, that's all I did. I blended new and more. I, I, I just took new and more modalities and mixed them up. He goes, and my learners that I was targeting at the time were senior techs, right? So new and more wasn't so much a big deal for them. They'd kind of gotten that. They were into apply, solve, and change. They were trying to manage networks. And because I had blended new and more as modality, they didn't need that. Um, it, was, it was probably informational to them. Their needs, their, their performance needs, that's an important pivot, not their informational needs. Their performance needs had matured, like every learner does, to, I got to apply this stuff. Or technology changes frequently. How, how do I keep up? Right? Or, or I have to troubleshoot because I've, I've, I think I know what I'm doing, but I get out there in the world and I try to apply and so on. So, so, Khan introduced that to me and, it, and I never looked back at instruction the same way because what it challenged me to do as a designer or an L&D professional was to all, and he said, look, if those are the five moments of need, new, more, apply, change and solve, we have to address all of them with every solution we make. And I looked back at my work and realized I'd only ever really addressed two uh, intentionally. And I'd left my learners on their own for the other ones. And, and the irony, friends, is that what we've learned through research and through, you know, and through 20 years of doing it is that apply to a learner is the most challenging of the five, right? Even though I was targeting all my work at new and more, every person comes into work every day trying to get work done. And so it, it, I, it changed my trajectory of how I looked at my responsibility um, from that day forward. Um, maybe one follow-up question on this. Do you distinguish between learning and performance support or more um, this help hmm. topic? Is learning something different or? Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, and, I, think, and I, I think this is an important discussion to have friends in our industry because I'm a big vocabulary guy, hmm. right? We have, to, we have to have a context with which to discuss these things and then of course design them and others. And, and, and I, if I have, a, and I've been in this 40 years, if I have any angst about our industries, we like to invent words a lot. Mm -hmm. Micro learning. That's one of my favorite things to pick on. Um, not because I don't think micro learning exists, but because if you put 10 learning professionals in 10 different rooms and said, tell us what micro learning is, you're going to get at least eight different answers. Right. And so, so, and that's, that's, that's troublesome, right? You don't want eight, 10 doctors in 10 different rooms having 10 different definitions for 
solving a, a medical issue, right? You want them unified, yeah. right? And so, so I love your question because I think it's important. And, and what I learned when I shifted to the needs-based instruction that I just described is what I learned was learning is a means to an end. It's not, and for years, I thought it was the end. My job was to help learners learn. Well, no, it isn't really. My job is in the end, we talked about this before we clicked the recording on, is if if, mm. if, in, if in the end, with spectacular, entertaining, award-winning learning, people don't do things differently yeah. or apply your technology or, right, then then frankly, as Khan would say, that why'd you engage him in the first place? Because it, it's just, we are in the performance business, not the, tra- I would argue, not the training and learning business. That Those are the tools of our trade, but the outcome of our work is performance. And it sounds like a, like, like a semantic pivot, but it really will change how you design and develop and deliver your stuff if you lean toward performance first and, and candidly view training or performance support as the means to get you there. So we'll talk a bit about that today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you mentioned the probably very important point, the outcome. Mm. Yeah, the input is perhaps the training or whatever, but uh, in the end, you want outcomes. And this is yeah. another performance, a better performance. Yeah. Well, you guys, you know, it's interesting. We've chased ROI for years, right? We can, let's run at the elephant in the room, mm. as we say in the States, right? Well, what I learned when I, when, I, when I had this aha is, you know what? It's hard to get ROI on training. Yeah. It really is. Because training in and of itself is a means to performance at the end, but frankly, it's kind. Sometimes it's kind of distance from the performance. They they leave the workplace and go to a building, you know. They 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 step away from work and log into an LMS and find any. And I'm not saying those are not needed, but to to link those alone to downstream performance impact, super. It's really hard, right? So so when when I started taking a performance back view. Things like KPIs and you know other things that I had never, if I may, talked about in my design. You know, I always hope I impacted those, but I never really you know ran at them as a, as my responsibility, if I may, if I may. And so, it's been a really interesting, interesting journey in changing that. What I wanted to mention is that uh, I, I know the model, but of course, there's also much more behind. Yeah, there's a whole methodology oh. to bring it into life. So perhaps just in some uh, words, you can uh, outline that, like starting with task analysis and so on and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love that. Mm. Yeah, and so, so let's let's talk vocabulary for a second. So here here is my opinion of all of this. And again, I think we I think we blur words a lot, mm. right? And so I, I love I love that we're running at this. So the discipline, if I may use some words, the discipline to me is workflow learning. That, that's a discipline we can, we can go at as learning professionals, right? So there are frameworks that support workflow learning that, that help us take it a level deeper. Five moments of need is one of those. Five moments of need is a framework that lets me as a developer begin to you know, design workflow learning, which is the discipline, right? There's others. You, you probably people have heard of 72010, hmm. you know, these other kinds of things. And, and to me, those are all frameworks that help us try to design for, right? But to your question, to your point, um, and, I, and I love this, Thomas, is we're in the design business, so therefore we need methodology, right? So you, your listeners may have heard of ADDIE, A-D-D-I-E, right? I don't know how many years old, 50, 100 years old. M- right? Many. That is, a, many. That is I would <laughs> a training methodology for moments one and two. It, it helps us design sound, scalable, defendable training. Well, we need the we need the equivalent in the in the workflow learning domain. And for us, Dr. Godfordson, 
um, in his 50 years of work, has come up with something called ENABLE, E-N-A-B-L-E, right? Which is an, a- it's an acronym like ADDIE, to engage, to align, the E, right? Um, you know, a, 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 um, build, leverage, evaluate. This, this is, getting, is going from the, the discipline to the framework to the methodology that we need to then get up every day. And my team, when they design for our clients, Maps to enable. They they do workflow learning as a principle, but they they follow the design methodology of in our case enable, so they can create this stuff. Yeah, these I think these frameworks are a very good starting point to get a learning program or a learning experience implemented. Um, but as you already mentioned, Bob, it's it's really hard to measure the ROI of it or even to, to get numbers out of that if you want to have KPIs for especially the workflow learning. Yep. And we, we did a lot of interviews, for example, with um, software end users of our software mm-hmm. at SAP. And um, yeah, there the feedback was of many people, they, they didn't want to learn, actually. They wanted to get things done and quickly <laughs> and without a huge learning. So the task is in the middle of what they want to do. And Absolutely. we said, oh, great. Therefore, we want to support you in the flow of work so that you can immediately come from learning to apply or make it more or less one experience. Do you have yeah, similar experiences with that, how people react really on yeah, the implementation of such a framework? Yeah, the, guys, the irony is that uh, it, it's, it's, almost, it's almost a visceral response to this stuff. When, when they, and, and people, I'm often asked, we, we use terminologies like digital coach now, for instance, we'll talk more about that, that these are the tools that we embed in the, in the workflow to enable that just in time, two clicks, 10 seconds, we like to call it, right? Access to get things done, right? Well, we used to call it an EPSS. Mm. Gloria Geary, 1991, wrote a brilliant book called Electronic Performance Support Systems, and the acronym is EPSS. Well, here's the thing, guys. This, it gets back to branding and wording, right? Nobody, I, I, nobody that I support or, or very few learners are getting up every day dying to use an EPSS. You know, it, it, that, that, that's, that's our jargon, right? Mm-hmm. The moment we called it a digital coach, Everybody wanted 20 of them, mm. right? Because that, that's what you described a moment, Christoph, ago, is that they, they, want to be, they want to be digitally coached or coached in, in the context of doing side by side, not leave it to find it or take it, right? So that they um, learn while doing. This is an important pivot to be sure we distinguish here. Because one argument I hear quite often, friends, in this discipline is, well, wait, 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 wait. We've had workflow learning forever. We, we, we stood up an LMS years ago. Well, Let's be careful here because, and again, I know, I know I'm splitting hairs, but this is important because, because what Khan would argue is that's taking moments one and two tools and, and sure, making them digital, making them just in time, whatever acronym we want to assign to it. But, but that, that, that still took people, frankly, cognitively away from work. Yeah, exactly. If I'm sitting at my desk staring at an LMS, I am not staring at my Word document or my SAP implementation, right? I'm, I'm, I have to physically or cognitively step away. Like I, like I used to leave for a classroom, find the class, search through, log on. Okay. Which, which level do I need and sit for five minutes, 20 minutes clicking through this thing. And then I have to go back to my work. That is not workflow learning. Mm. That's learning in, you know, in the flow, I mean, you know, that's available in my workflow, 
But what we always pivot on is there's a difference between in and while. And Christoph, what you described is what learners want is a digital coach while I am working. I don't want to step away from ASAP or my technology or SAP and others. I don't want to step away from these things to learn. I want to learn if I can safely while I am working. And then when I'm done, I've learned, but I've also done something. Mm. Right. And so it's really important that we understand that the that the digital coaches we talk about today are not the EPSSs of yesteryear. And that uh, just because something digital and in the workflow doesn't mean it's workflow learning or excuse me, doesn't mean it supports workflow learning. Another one, another one we hear a lot is SharePoint. Mm-hmm. We've got SharePoint. Well, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> you know, I mean, most 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 performers would tell you that that's not super helpful, right? Although it's digital and I get all that, right? So so it's important to understand the distinction between the deliverables and what we get for them. And the, the, that's a good point. Uh, perhaps let me go a little bit deeper there. So, so yeah. we saw, see that the environment has changed. So like in the methodology area now, we use a lot of more agile approaches. The technology has changed. You mentioned uh, chatbots or like yeah. uh, machine learning or uh, other technologies are more advanced. So, so p- probably the overall model of five moments of need is still very relevant, but did you see any further changes also in the methodology? You mentioned the naming or already or like coaching. So yeah, are there any others? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that the principles of five moments are pretty, pretty much stand the test of time where we see changes of courses in what you just mentioned. And that's the layers below, which are technologies mm. that enable. Right. And so, And, and this is open up, and, and you mentioned a few, right? Chatbot type stuff, um, AI, machine learning things. These are, these are the new, if I, I would argue, tools of our trade. So we have to be agile in understanding the, the adoption of those things and how we design in them. And, and I'm often asked, you know, what, what have I seen the biggest change in this discipline been in the last 20 years? It's, and it's, guys, it's absolutely the technology to do it. Mm. You know, it's, When Gloria wrote that book, an EPSS cost like a hundred grand. I mean, it was ridiculous. And it was only for technology. I mean, it was, and, and it wasn't frankly great, right? Well, the EPSSs, if you will, or the digital coach technologies and platforms of today are, are remarkable in their, in our, the ability to author in them, the ability for them to go beyond IT and support, if I may, soft skills, for instance, and the, 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 the price point is considerably cheaper. Um, and you don't need a, you know, coding degree to use them. I mean, they, they're, they're a more, more, you know, if you can write in word, you can author in these environments. Right. So, so that's where, and again, my, my, my concern is that, um, we, 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 we are, uh, how do I say this without getting hate mail? Um, it, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 I'm a staunch of the old 40 year guy, right. At this. And, and, if, and if I would, if I could, um, talk directly to us as an industry, my challenge would be, we got to be less risk averse. We got to let old things go. We've got to be held responsible to keep up with these new things. You know, my, I just came back from my doctor and I don't want them using leeches on me anymore. You know, we've, the, the, the discipline's matured beyond that. Right. And so I still see our industry lag a bit, you know, in, in our adoption of these things. And so I think we have to understand where these new technologies are coming from 
and embrace them a bit more as challenging as some of them might be. Did you see some, any, uh, let's say cool, let's say innovations in, in that field of uh, workflow learning, what you could share? I think it's always nice to, to learn from examples, like, like where real problems were, were solved, for example. Yeah, I, I think I, I have to be careful with naming um, organizations. I don't have the, the permissions to do that all the time. But, but, I, but I think the two I would mention that I found most innovative, if I may, is that, and, and these are two areas that, that often we don't feel workflow learning or an EPSS or a digital coach can help. We, we, we get very myopic about it being IT, mm. right? It's got to be embedded in the system because it's digital. So, and I get that and, and it should be, by the way. But, but what two very innovative things I saw was in, and these are probably as far as people on this, on this, listening to this recording may think is that in manufacturing, think about, think about a mile long manufacturing plant, right? Where you've got an assembly line that goes a mile long in a building or, and it probably doesn't translate to metric, but you know, a long, <laughs> you know, and, and so these are folks that work off of manuals and coaching and over the shoulder stuff. We watched a large manufacturer of healthcare products and beauty products. They had these large manufacturing plants. They brought performance support to the manufacturing floor, which is, which is, not, this, is this isn't like an IT thing, right? This is a huge assembly plant, right? And so they brought in what they called COWS, C-O-W, which was short for computers on wheels. Mm. And they literally brought with, 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 I, you know, with, with, with tablet technology and handheld technology and just things on a, on a roller. They brought these things right into the the troubleshooting and, and learning and, and onboarding of folks in a very, very blue collar, if I may, industry, right? And saw remarkable returns on downtime, on turnover time, on um, technicians' ability to go across a lines because of because of the of using these tools. You know, that's that and, and these this is an industry that, that's that's been historically very training and coaching focused. And it was just incredibly innovative. And, and to your question earlier, once the users saw this, they wanted anything but training. Hmm. They just wanted more of these things. You know, the other area I'd mention real quick is an on is is um, an onboarding, a, a, a very soft skill kind of area, right? Um, we know of a large um, services company that took an onboard an eighteen month onboarding program. Think about that eighteen month long onboarding program, wow. and they brought it back to four to six months. Think about that. Think about the ROI on that alone, just, just the training alone. But on top of that, people, of course, in four to six months were now performing. They were, you know, were, could stand alone independently using a digital coach while doing these, while, while being onboarded into this organization, doing soft skill type stuff. And therefore, the ROI, if I may, on that was millions. Right. So, so these, these, and I mentioned those two friends and I, and, and notice I'm staying away from technology as the pivot, because if I've learned anything in my, in my 40 years is that technology is an enabler to an outcome. And, and, and I get concerned about chasing a shiny penny as we call it in the States. Right. Mm. We, we, I don't know if guys, if it happened over there, but we all remember the second life fiasco here in the States. <laughs> you know, we, we chased right? Christopher and me build a build an island. We had an island with a with a training university there. <laughs> I mean, you guys, it was crazy, right? And, and, and so, but again, and it, and it literally, literally, and I don't, I don't even know how much millions we spent, if not more, worldwide. Mm. And it sat there, literally getting us nothing. Mm. And and I want to be careful. I don't think that was Second Life's fault, honestly. Mm. I think it was we didn't 
keep up with methodology to, you know, we, we, we thought just because we had a hammer, we could drive a nail, right? And we, and, and that's why I'm awful careful in the two innovative examples I mentioned that, yeah, there was technology, a digital coach at the heart of that, but it was an instructional pivot. Right, it was it was a methodology pivot. It was a performance first pivot, mm. not a we bought this thing from a vendor on on an expo floor, and therefore we our our whole training approach changed. Absolutely, I think nowadays probably the same in the US, in Europe, or everyone wants uh, or thinks he or she needs an LXP, uh, but depending on your problems, it, the LXP doesn't solve your problem. It oh my depends gosh, guys. on what the. I have dear <laughs> friends in that business, and 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 again, here this is what worries me, and I'll just be transparent here, right? I've I've seen this I've seen this play before, play out before, and my anxiousness is that right now it feels like a hammer looking for a nail to me, mm. you know, and 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 I've seen some brilliant, I've seen some what were what were touted as brilliant LXP implementations, and when I looked at them from a from a five moments of need basis. It was just another version of training. Now, again, guys, I don't, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but it was being branded very differently. Learning experience, and we're getting into the workflow, and we're and honestly, folks, you know, when we talked to those that were using that particular iteration, they said this is anything but in the workflow. Mm. This, you know, it's it's cumbersome. It's hard to find things. I don't know. I, I I can't contextualize them back with my job. Now, it was a different flavor of stuff. It was cool, mm. and it had some AI ness to it. And some other things. And again, I'm trying to be awful careful here because I'm not, again, blaming the tool. I'm blaming the, I'm, I'm, I'm picking on the design. Mm. And we have to be careful here that we, we take on these new things in the right context and approach. Um, one follow-up question on this, as you mentioned, this nice picture of a hammer um, searching a nail or looking for a nail. Um, what about... Um, Technologies like uh, virtual reality, mixed reality, or augmented reality. I, I personally have the feeling that these technologies are looking for a nail for decades now. <laughs> And they, they found some tiny little nails, but not the, the huge one. Right. Um, right. Do you see some innovation there for working in the flow of work as well? I've seen some, um, but to your point, Christoph, they've been very, um, narrowly focused or uh, highly specific to an industry like you know like operating a forklift mm. you know or or loading baggage onto a plane or you know where they have like a google glass mm. you know that's the wrong words but you know they have an oculus these kinds of things and 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 again i, I and i and they're remarkable they are but but is that is that scalable can i can i use that in your technology or can i shift it over to being a leader mm. i mean for what about leadership training you know that, the jump between that you know forklift stuff and using those in leadership training to me is, you know, quite a jump, right? So again, it, it gets back to, and let me, let me maybe pivot us into something else. And that is another remarkable aha that came to me when I got into this is one of the first things you have to do to do workflow learning is you have to know the workflow. Yeah. That's a discipline by definition. And, and when I sat through my first, what we call, if I may, workflow analysis, Yeah, you know, got to call it something, right? So workflow analysis. And I watched a Matt Kahn-Gopferson, the, the, the guy, right, up in front, guiding this group of SMEs through the dialogue. And I sat in the back with my context of how I would have been in that room designing training. The questions he, were asked, he was asking was, was very different, right? And the pivot was entirely on do. What do you do? You know, and, and not what do you have to know. We'll talk about that later. To do. What do you do? And you spent a half a day or a day 
just mapping out this workflow of what the what their day week job looked like you know and and once you know that then you can design something very different i would go into a room and say okay look i'm here to we're here to design an e learning or we're here to design a 5 day course i mean i'm i'm already i'm already putting myself in a box before i've asked a I've even asked a question and I, and I use the word, I already, and I use the outcome of e-learning as a deliverable or the word course as a deliverable. So when I open up the floor to my SMEs to start talking, they're already, right. They're already, they're not pivoting on the workflow. They're, they're, they're pivoting on knowledge transfer and training and what's all the stuff that somebody who's not like me needs to know. Right. And versus I watched Khan do it. And all they talked about in the room was what they performed every day. There's that word again. And so when he, when I, when he got done with his outline versus the outlines I used to make, he was able to create a very different deliverable than I had boxed myself into the corner of creating, mm. right? If, if I'd said, if, guys, if I told those SMEs we're going to design five days of training and then I, and then I came up with about a, a hundred job aids, they would look at me like, what, 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 what are these? You know, you know, you, you put us in a room to design a five day course. And then you deliver these deliver, you know what I mean? And, but because Khan had started with the workflow mm-hmm. and then the first thing he built was digital coaches and job aid stuff, the, the people in the room thought, well, obviously you're going to make stuff that supports doing. Mm-hmm. Be, you know what I mean? Yeah. And one, one thing. Uh, so, so, sorry, yeah, just to add, because I think this was uh, wonderful what you mentioned once when we met. Uh, you also criticized the term uh, SME. So that we take probably the most knowledgeable people in the room that we bring the top talents and try to extract out of their brain uh, how they do certain things, so like to do the task analysis of their workflow. Perhaps you could share that with the audience. I thought this was uh, yeah, very, yeah. very, very good to reflect. Yeah, because here's the thing, friends, that um, and the research varies, but but it, but I think it's substantive mm. in that what and I've seen between I've seen anywhere between 40 and 70%, I think that's way too high, candidly. But what they say is an SME, by definition, is a subject matter expert. They are, are, they've already arrived at all the things. And because they have, there's something called automaticity, which means they have automated routine tasks because they're an expert. They don't think about it. When I get in my car to drive, I don't think, okay, wait, I got I to turn the key. I've got to put my hands on the wheel. I've got to press the pedal. I, I just... You know, right? I, I take all of that and I assimilate it into driving, right? So, so here's what we do, you guys. We put expert drivers in a room and say, what, what would someone who's not an expert driver need to know? And the whiteboard that I'm going to fill for you has things that aren't even remotely close to what a new driver needs. And half the stuff that the new driver needs isn't even up there <laughs> because I don't even think to mention it anymore, mm. Right. And so, so what I learned when I, when I, when I got into this methodology a bit was, is that SMEs are fine. You should have one or two in the room, but what you need in the room is what we call a BME, a business matter expert, which means somebody who is, who is in the trenches, probably a beginner, you know, been around for a while, but they, they represent the true workflow that the SME has moved beyond, right? You know, sales training. I was once in the sales training design and we brought all the sales managers in because they were sales managers to discuss how the workflow of sales should go. Well, when we brought sales reps in, people that were selling, and they saw what the sales managers thought selling was, <laughs> they said, that, that's not, I don't do any of those things in, the, in, in my day, right? But the sales manager had been promoted out of sales. 
you know, and, and, and hadn't sold in years. Right. So, so if we're going to design workflow learning, we have to have representation in that room of people who represent the workflow. SMEs are fine. They, they offer balance. They offer the end goal. But I've watched SME in the room, look at a BME and go, are you kidding me? You, that, you, you still do that? Well, yep. <laughs> and if we didn't include that in our instruction or our support, right, we would not be building a true mm -hmm. representation of the work. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that this is very, very important to think to remind. But, but one question I always have, I have this in, in many disciplines, also in organizational change management. But mm. let's say this discipline, uh, we, we know since years that transfer is one of the key challenges. And uh, we talk about performance, performance support, whatever, since so many years. So, uh, so what, what do you think? What is still hindering us from, from applying all the models? Is it uh, how we are socialized in school? Is it the perhaps the not great professionalism of our discipline? Or I, I yesterday I was at a conference, uh, also did a presentation. Still, many people didn't even know the five moments of need model. But we really discussed why it should make sense at a university to practice things, not just uh, to look at theory. This is uh, uh, unbelievable. But so, but, but what do you think? Or perhaps do you have any tips how to overcome that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's you know, when Khan and I wrote a book, my gosh, almost ten years ago, uh, called Innovative Performance Support, and then a, a friend of ours asked us to do a workshop on it. So think about this, right? These are two guys who just wrote a book on performance support. They were asked to do a workshop on it, yeah, right? And so we're, we're, we're going around the room with a hi, how are you part, right? People are in the room to take it. And one student said, well, you know what? I can't wait to see the performance support you have for this course. I mean, <laughs> the, the course is called Innovative Performance Support, right? And you guys just wrote a book. And I looked over at Khan and I was like, oh my gosh, we haven't made any. We, 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 we made slides in a workbook and and activities. So, so where I'm going with this, you guys, is we, after having just written a book on this stuff, when we were asked to teach it, we, we, we instinctively reverted back to a training <laughs> approach. Yeah. It was, it was terrifying. Right. And so, so, so I guess, I guess, so part of it's a mindset shift, honestly. And, and, mm. but also we, part of it is also that you have to, I, and yes, earlier, I would challenge those on the call listening to this, To, to dig deeper into the methodology, right? Because you've got to, we talked about changing um, roles in, in a training organization, you know, from ID to performance architect. We talked about that earlier, you know, it, to change from Addy to enable or whichever one you want to adopt. You know, one fundamental change is that the five moments of need helped me in my early part is Khan challenged me to design for apply first. Mm -hmm. Think, you know, when, when, you, when you go to do something, Design as much as you, he said, try this. Next time you get a, you're asked to design a training solution, I don't care what it's called. Try to design as much non-training stuff as you can first. You know, load your learners up with support, load them up with digital coaches, load them up with job aids, and then train what's left. It, so, it sounds like, a, like an interesting pivot, but we go in, we go in, in instinctively with training first. I, one of the things we commonly hear you guys is that, I don't have time to do this because I have, because I have so much training to build. Mm. Well, in there lies the problem, right? You know, it, it's, it's, if you switch that model and said, what if I built performance support first? What if I built digital coach first? What if I understood the workflow and enabled learners at the moment of doing first? 
And then with that tool in mind, with that tool already built, said, okay, how much training, if I have this, if any, do I have to build? You know, it, it, it begins to change your, your approach. So design for apply first, understand what a true digital coach is and, and methodologies like Enable that exist. Think about changing the conversation with those you serve. When someone walks into your office next time and says, I want five days of training, as opposed to going, sure, you know, let's, let's, let's pull some SMEs together to do that. Maybe you say, before we go there, can I ask you a couple of questions? <laughs> like, <laughs> why, five, why five days? I mean, and, and by the way, why training? Is it, yeah. can we talk more about, you know, when you got up this morning and said, okay, I've got this business problem. I'm going to work, I'm going to go into Bob's office and ask for five days of something. I want to back up to the problem part and let's talk about, you know, and, and Khan's favorite question is when we're done with all this, how will we know it worked? How, how will we know that this, if we have to design a leadership program in the end, how will we know we, that we have better leaders. And you, the answer will never be, well, they completed the course and got a certificate. <laughs> the answer is always, well, they'll do this differently. They'll do this better. And they'll, right? It's all do, 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 perform, you know, mm. that stuff. And so, so, so those are some pivotal um, changes we have to consider. Mm. I think the, the example with the um, executive training is one thing where you also have a lot of social skills and um, being yeah, more empathic or having more em empathy. Um, but when you go for something more technical, like a developer, I often try to, to learn a new programming language, for example, and I bought a book years ago. And having a book and reading the book after that, you, you know almost nothing right. because you, you read and you forget a lot and you, you are you you learn maybe a lot but you are not at all a developer so you start learning developing software from the moment you type code in and you you execute go. it and you see that it fails and you find the the error and uh, the issues right so it's it's really it, it, i think that's a perfect example of learning in the flow of doing something and then coming to solutions and moving step by step forward but not reading the next chapter in a book right You guys, we, here's the thing. Workflow learning is not a new thing to learners. Mm -hmm. we've, we've been doing workflow learning since the start of time. Mm -hmm. the, the problem has been we've, we've often gotten no help in it or L&D hasn't been involved in that, right? When, when, when COVID came along and people went home, workflow learning became took on a whole new meaning, mm. right? Because here I am sitting in my kitchen or my bedroom or my living room and all of the support structures, all of the nine, the, the nine to five workday, The, the dynamic of my team completely got the rug ripped out from underneath it. And learners got thrust into a very different workflow. And, and I think we were, we were given an, an opportunity to step into that need in a very different way. You know, and, and so I, I think you're spot on, my friend. You know, understanding and, and also understanding that when you start taking a, a workflow approach, the, the chunk size of what you build becomes very small. You know, traditionally, we think in terms of chapter, lesson, course, curriculum, those are big chunks, mm. right? Performance support goes down to the level of a task, a task, one task. I have built 
I have built performance support for a client on one task mm. to, to just get started because they just wanted to see it. They wanted to feel it. They wanted to, it wasn't a lesson. It wasn't a unit. It wasn't a, it was, it was targeted at, in this case, candidly, sales reps filling out their expense reports effectively every week. Mm. Cause that, that, that was a task. It drove the managers crazy. Nobody did them right. It consumed way too much time. So I said, look, what if we just solved for that? Now, the irony is the, the original ask was we're launching um, a, a CRM and we'd like to build training for that. Mm. Great. But when we got into the weeds and talked to the sales folks and talked to the sales managers about performance every day, the thing that bubbled to the top, you guys, honestly, was it drove the managers crazy and the, and the sales folks crazy was their expense reports. So, so, so we're like, look, but here's the, here's the great thing is, so we built a, a job aid performance support embedded thing for doing that. They turned them in quicker, better, faster. And then guess what? We got to the CRM eventually. <laughs> right. But again, it, 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 I hope these examples as I'm, as I'm, as I'm saying them are coming across your listeners as that's a very different um, build or ask or approach or deliverable than I'm asking to do now mm. and that's the beginning of of doing this i think these are great tips so I, I made some notes perhaps i tried to summarize so it was designed for apply first change the conversation yeah with your uh, managers or people who give you orders uh, look at uh, what's uh, what should be the success criteria focus on tasks so do you have any other tips i, I guess the other two would um thank you for that because there isn't there is another important pivot and that's the technology learn mm. Go out and study, you know, the digital adoption tools. I think they're calling them now, or I don't, you know, the, the EPSS, the authoring, you know, e-learning took off when we stopped doing it in PowerPoint, mm. you know, and, and, and I don't know if you guys, you're probably oh, too old to, or too young to remember these days, but in the early days of e-learning, we built it in PowerPoint because that's all we, that's what we knew. And it was terrible, but it was something, right? But e-learning took off when this company called Adobe stepped in and decided to, to build some authoring tools. For, for building e-learning and all of a sudden it became scalable and, and, you know, wonderful and all these kinds of things. Same in this discipline, right? A, a SharePoint site or a job aid is performance support, but it's not the current version of the digital coaches that you should be building, right? And so I, I, would, I would recommend that the last thing would be take a deep dive into the discipline of the tools in this area because they, the, they are the hammer of our trade and my team and I use them all the time to build the the right degree and the right amount of this stuff mm. yeah great thanks for sharing so we usually have some more private questions but before coming to those uh, christoph do you have any further questions which we didn't ask oh i w would have a lot uh, also things to discuss but uh, i keep myself um, uh, in the background now and <laughs> when looking at the hour uh, <laughs> because i'm really interested on on bob's personal views here okay mm. oh, oh bob anything you want to share Before we go on, any things we uh, forgot to ask? No, I think we're I think we're there, for, you know, to get people started, and that's mm. that's the that's the you know, Khan always says, "Don't boil the ocean," right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and okay. I think you gotta you gotta crawl, walk, run into this, and I and I think what we've talked about fundamentally is where people need to start. So, what is your narrative for learning and development? <laughs> Get out of the learning and development business. 
how's that for a narrative? <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's um, sometimes guys, we get in our own way, right? We have to, and legacy is great. And, and, and our pedigree is steeped and, and long. And I get all that. And I have a master's degree in this thing. I mean, I, I put the, the years and the time in, but, but I think if we're in the L&D business, we have to be learners ourselves first, right? We have to take a learner, a learner performer mindset. So I think it's a brand new frontier out there for us, you guys, honestly. And I say, you know, 10 years ago, I, I, I made an in- intentional commitment to walk away from learning as my job um, and, and, and to immerse myself in performance. And that was the beginning of me changing my view of the whole thing. And I think, I think that's the challenge of today. Economy, business, COVID, you know, performers are hurting out there. And so... I think a performance first is the narrative of the day. And how do you keep up to date? So hmm. uh, anything you, you can share? Yeah, well, I read a lot. You know, there's a lot of wonderful bloggers and stuff out there. Um, Guy Wallace is wonderful. David James is another. You know, Dr. Gottfriedson, Khan, my, my, my colleague. Uh, we just recently launched a free online community called the Workflow Learning and Performance Alliance that I can give you, you know, some, a link to after it's, it's completely free, but it's already over 550 members worldwide. Yeah, great. And the reason I bring that up is because collegially there's a lot of good stuff being done. And, 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 and although I love your mention earlier, Christoph, a book is great and I do buy them and read them, but my learnings has been through, you know, watching others and best practices and lessons learned. And so there's a lot of people doing remarkable things that um, communities like that help host that dialogue for me and, and keep me closer to those people to ask the questions and watch their good work and challenge mine through LinkedIn and these kinds of technologies. Yeah. And uh, we put, also put your, your website in the show notes. I know you, you also offer trainings on the subject. So for anyone who wants a deep dive, uh, absolutely. We just can recommend that. And just one final question. So what do you learn by your own? What's on your to learn list? Like for next year or for the next months? Do you have a special topic in my own learning? Like personally? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I go out? Of, can I go out of L and D? Sure. Am I allowed to uh, do life that? Life is also yeah. outside L&D. Life, yeah. <laughs> well, two things. I'm a grandfather. And so learning to do that better is is, a, is, is an ongoing uh, challenge. Um, but also, I, I, I'm a golfer. I love golfing. I'm not great at it, but I love it. But it challenges me as a learner all the time to um, fight muscle memory and, and old age and other things and, you know, and, and get better at it. So, you know, I, I think dedicating time to learning outside of L&D in our, in our, in our lives is, is really important. And so I, those are two top of mind for me. Yeah. And the latter one is a little bit learning in the flow of playing and it is. This, uh, sounds like fun, actually. It is. It really, <laughs> really is. Yep. All right. So thanks so much, Bob, for, for your time. I think we, well, we've now come to an end, I guess we, we are 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. Christoph, do you want to? Close it up. I make the closing. Yeah. So also from my side, thank you, Bob, for sharing all these insights and tips and tricks. I think that's really, really helpful and really appreciate it. And folks, yeah, there you have it. And yeah, if you, dear listeners, enjoyed our podcast, please share it. Um, you find us on podcast.opensap.info. 
And of course, on any podcast platform or podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, you name it. And Bob, thanks again so much for being here with us today and everyone for listening and tuning in. Have a good time and take care until next time. And bye for now. Yeah, happy performing and learning. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Thank you.